Hello and welcome back to The Simplicity Diaries with me, Kim John Payne. So glad you could join us again. This week I've been thinking um, about what we can do if and when we meet resistance to, um, to when we want to declutter, uh, tidy up, uh, and, and organize the home and yet you've got some some children or some family members that just aren't into it right that is not into into decluttering and uh, particularly with with children if if you meet a sort, a sort of a resistance um, rather than push through it rather than saying no we're 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 going to declutter we're going to declutter your room there are two main things that can be done that I've seen that can ease e ease the um, the feeling of, of, of pushing things along uh, too much. The first one I've mentioned in one of these um, in in one of these podcasts actually, but quite a long time ago. So I'll just nutshell it now, uh, and that is is. Uh, decluttering and organizing your own space first you know if you if you're wanting to have that feeling of spaciousness and bring that into your home and it's and that's a, a, a real value to you um, out there in the world is is so choppy and changeable and kind of disorganized at the moment then this feeling of in here we're organized. In here, there's space. There's space for us all in our family. Out there, it feels kind of pressing. In here, there's space. In here, it's organized. Now, you know, there are very few people who would not want that, but how do you go about it? And one of the first things, as I mentioned, is to, is to pay attention to one's own spaces first, is to model it. But it's also to set up, in a sense, a little bit of a flow. So maybe in your own little office area or study, you organize, you get baskets and bins for things or some cupboards or some shelves. You declutter, you take out the things that are unnecessary, they just have, have accumulated. You file away some those papers that you just meant to for a long time, and then you're filing them and realize, oh my goodness, I didn't even need to keep these at all. So you know that um, you you organize and declutter your personal space in the house. Maybe your bedroom. You you organize and declutter and get rid of the stuff you don't need. You take your own clothes. You put put some away in some uh, deeper storage area, some boxes. You seasonalize your own clothes. You maybe even declutter your, some of your own books and just have the books out that you know you often turn to as a reference and that you're currently reading. So that you're, you're, you're actually working out what is essential, what is not essential. That's the essential question <laughs> when you do this what's essential, what's not essential. And after doing and dealing with that in your own space, then the second step is to turn to communal space, 
So now it's the kitchen or um, the, the lounge room. Same deal again. Organizing, stuff in baskets, uh, declutter. A lot of stuff just can go away, can be uh, put in a library. And so the children just feel this lovely effect of of spaciousness in in those spaces which they often inhabit right so uh, and it's fairly common and, and and our coaches all around the world group leaders i've certainly experienced this myself as well the reflections we get is that often kids will get their stuff out of some fairly cluttered bedrooms and playrooms and such and bring it out to this area where there's space. So now they can spread all the things out there as, as, as well. But they like to play in those spaces that have space. Mm-hmm. And particularly then you've made a little bit of a stepping stone into decluttering and organizing because now you can get a basket and say, well, let's put all the Legos or let's put all those project materials back in this basket. And there hasn't been that kind of basket before, but it makes sense to a child. Or even if there has been a basket, it makes more sense to a child because the space that they started with, let's say the lounge room, they've gotten used to and they like it with, with this feeling of, of it being an open space that they can play in. So um, it, it builds a little bit of a ramp. And then finally, the third step, remember, first step is your own space. Second s- step, communal space. Third step is now a child's space. And of the countless numbers of parents have done this, very, very few encounter uh, problems with it because now a child is 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 moving with within the flow of what's being created in the rest of the house you've normal not only have you normalized it but a child has personally experienced how great it is to have this kind of space how when there is you know a question like mom where are the scissors where are the marker pens you can say oh you know what they're in. They're over in my study area. They're in the basket, and it's got a little label on it that says marker pens. You go over and you'll find it right away. Now, for a child, that is very securing. It's not just a funny little thing we do because we don't like clutter. It's a very securing thing for a child to go to a place, find what they're looking for, and then it's just that bit easier to have them put it back because they know right where to do it. And if, they, if they're not, you can just bring the basket right over to them and have them p- put the marker pen or the crayon or the, the construction material back in the big tub that held the construction paper because that's where it goes and you'll be able to find it tomorrow when you need it or next, next time. So that's the kind of raying out in concentric circles, but leaving the the children's space till last. The only uh, uh, um, uh, uh, alternative I've heard to that is that sometimes children will really, uh, it's a really great thing, they'll bug a parent to actually come and do their space sooner.
Now, what if you meet resistance to that? You, you've done all that and you still meet real resistance to letting any toys go, letting any books go, letting any sports equipment go. Kids are clinging to it. And there are some that will do that. They will cling to their stuff. Now, sometimes that's a little bit temperament-based. I get that. There are some kids who, who cling to things a little bit more. Um, so you need to give them a bit of time, obviously. But one of the things that I want to... Uh, uh, put out there for you to 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 think about if you're if you're got a, got that situation and you're worried about kids clinging to stuff and crying and screaming and don't throw that out. In my experience, that that it's best just to leave it. Honestly, just leave it. Don't don't. Um, what you can do is at least organize and not declutter. That's step. That's thought number one. Just organize get some tubs, they usually got to be pretty big tubs and big baskets and at least organize, all right? So split the two themes of organizing and decluttering, separate them and just organize. In the meantime, a child clinging to stuff is sometimes, not always, but sometimes a sign that they, there is some other work to be done in other ways to lower their anxiety. It's not always, but often a sign of heightened uh, anxiety that kids cling to stuff. So you might think, okay, we need to dial back on the amount of play dates and clubs. It's all gotten too much. Actually, I'm not making that one up. That's happened several times where a kid has clinged to stuff, like really screamed and cried, but their life was so fast, so full, that when that was dialed back, and it took several months, four or five months, if I remember correctly, then the, the, the decluttering and the letting go of stuff was actually no problem at all. It, it just that problem went away. Um, it might be that there's, there's, there's just too much going on. It might be that there is a lot of, uh, this relates to screen use, particularly uh, social networking. I think of it as anti-social networking or gaming, uh, where there's a very high dopamine, like pleasure-reward, pleasure-reward cycle set up. When that happens, when kids are involved in a lot of digital use and screen use, there is, I've, I've noticed this anecdotally, but I've noticed it enough to see it as a pattern, that when screens are lower, the, the amount of time spent on screens, and particularly the amount of gaming and social networking that goes on, it's easier for the child to let go of stuff because those games, those toys, those things, you would think, well, they're not playing with them anymore. They're on a screen so much. But they actually symbolize pleasure and reward. And the kids are now starting to have that dopamine hit of pleasure reward. And they want to hang on to those, to those toys and those things that they haven't played with forever. And they've just even outgrown them. So it could be an overwhelm in a number of different areas, a digital overwhelm, 
It could be um, all sorts of other stuff in their lives where it's moving too fast. But if you have a child clinging desperately to stuff, have a think about dialing life back. Have a think about moving in a little closer, having a few little more family bike out outings or uh, family board game nights, baking together. Just secure family base a little bit so that securing the relationship then enables a child to let go of clinging to outer stuff because you've secured the inner space. Okay, so that's thoughts about letting go of, uh, of hel helping children let go of stuff and, um, and be able to organize and declutter in, in your home. All right, as always, I sure hope that was helpful. Bye-bye for now.